It's the Tom Bernard Show. Sitting in for Tom Bernard, I'm Dave Schrader, along with Mike Molina, Andy Rapp Bernard, and to the right hand of this skeleton crew, Raptor Bashman MD, the Hackmaster. We'll be right back with more on the Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Ladies and gentlemen, Tom here for Walzer, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, and Ram in Hopkins. You're invited to a new vehicle show Tuesday, May 1st from 6 to 9 p.m. They are launching the new 2019 Ram truck. This is the most widely anticipated launch in Ram history. If trucks aren't your thing, you might want to check out the city's largest inventory of Jeep Wranglers. There'll be food and refreshments and giveaways. This is a low-pressure, fun evening. And with Walzer's upfront pricing and lifetime powertrain warranty, they can make the buying process fun as well. Everyone who attends will automatically receive a coupon worth $500 towards the purchase of a new Ram or Wrangler. When you stop in, ask for Campbell Walzer and tell him I sent you. Though I love to tease him because he's Paul's son. He is a great guy, though, uh, and has always taken good care of us. Put it on your calendars, Tuesday, May 1st, from 6 to 9 at Walzer Chrysler in Hopkins. This is the Tom Bernard Show. I'm Dave Schrader sitting in for Tom. He'll be back with you tomorrow. Joining us now on the line, Kristen Burt. Kristen, welcome. Hi, how are you? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm great, thank you. Really busy, but good. Well, that's good news, right? <laughs> yeah, it is good news. I was on the uh, set last night of Dancing with the Stars with all the athletes, so it was a late night, but it was a good night. How is that shaping up? I mean, is this, uh, you think this is going to be a pretty special season because of all the celebrity uh, athletes they brought on? <clears throat> See, I think it's I think it's cool because it's I like the theme aspect of it because athletes have a tendency to do very well on Dancing with the Stars, but sort of overshadowing all of this is the fact that ABC cut their season down from ten weeks to four weeks, cut the budget, and really only gave them like two, four, six, seven hours in total over these four weeks because of American Idol, and we know how American Idol is going, so it's a little bit bittersweet I think for everybody. Is that? Do you think they're doing a, a kind of a truncated version because of the, they weren't sure how this was going to go over with it being athlete celebrities the whole, you know, the whole show. They've done that on other game shows and other things like that where they've had special versions, but they always seem to shorten it if they've got like a, kind of this uh, unique take on it for a change just to test it out first. 
Actually, uh, Dancing with the Stars was not supposed to happen at all this spring. It got completely cut at first. And then when Dancing, uh, when ABC realized that they were in a little bit of trouble when it came <laughs> to American Idol, I mean, and that became apparent very quickly, that narrative wrote itself. Um, they decided, they're like, okay, we've got a four-week hole in here that we can do something. I think they were going to do specials or reruns or something, and they wound up just doing a truncated version of Dancing with the Stars, and they're like, how can we make it quick? And oftentimes, athletes cannot commit to the show, because normally it's a 10-week season, but people forget that there's three weeks ahead of time before the show even makes it to the air for rehearsal. So it's over 13, sometimes even 14 weeks, um, and athletes sometimes can't commit to that. So they're like, we'll do a shortened version, four weeks. They did three weeks of rehearsal before the show aired, and that's how that all came to play. So this is going to be so fascinating as the new season comes up because I'm like, is American Idol going to be on there? Or are they just going to... My thing is, I think that they've got like enough pride where they're like, we're going to do season two because we know what mistakes we made and we're going to continue. But honestly, they probably should just like call it a day and wrap it up. Why, like why do you think Idol fell out of favor so bad? I mean, that was it. That was the show that caught everybody's attention for so long. It's just been on for so... It's how long? It's been like, what, 15 years? Yeah, it started... 2002 was the very first year. Yeah, so, so yeah. Right, but then you've got Dancing with the Stars, which is still doing amazing. And what are they on, season 472 now? Season 26. And don't forget, they do two seasons a year. Right. Yeah. They do a fall and a spring season. But I think, you know, what changes it, people show up for the celebrities because you're like, oh, my gosh, yeah. I can't yep. believe Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who's 7'2", is going to try and dance. Like you, you stop in. Tanya Harding, I interviewed Tanya Harding last night. I was really in my head, like, the whole time thinking, this is Tanya Harding I am standing in front of. <laughs> yeah, but being from Massachusetts, aren't you supposed to be a Nancy Kerrigan fan? You, well, here's the thing. This, the, I, I was talking about this last night because I, I went out with some of um, the crew after, and I was like, you know, it's very interesting because I do have strong – I've followed figure skating for decades. I, my mom was a big fan, so I kind of grew up with it, even though I wasn't a skater myself. And even though Nancy's from Boston, I've always felt Nancy was a victim – Tanya never owned what she did and never gave that sincere apology. And I do feel like had she given that sincere apology two decades ago, the road to forgiveness would have been much easier. However, last night when I interviewed her, I had nothing but empathy for her in terms of who she is. You can completely tell that she's never been given the right toolbox of like how to cope um, because she's been living with dysfunctional people her whole life. So she's completely a people pleaser and an extreme one where she wants you to like her, and she'll do anything anything that it takes to get you to like her. And uh, she really wants to be there. She really wants to rewrite her story. And I'm hoping that maybe this is the path that helps her get there. I don't know. But, you know, a part of me does think that she does owe Nancy, like, that one sincere apology, probably not on camera, um, just, to, just to say, you know, I've grown up. I've, this is what I've learned, and I'm really sorry. You don't think that, you know, her, her big comeback was celebrity boxing against uh, Paula Jones? <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of amazing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah that <laughs> actually launched that, that, happened. that launched a career for her. She did boxing for quite a few years after that. Yes, she did. You know, she was someone that, you know, needed to make money. She's been she's completely banned from figure skating for life. She cannot perform. You know, she can coach. But she can't coach anyone that is sanctioned by the USA Figure Skating um, League. So it's just one of those things that it's really, really 
hard um, for her to make a living. And, you know, I don't know what she's going to do post Dance with the Stars, but she's putting her all into it. And that's all you can ask for a contestant. But I still like even interviewing her. I'm like, I feel empathy for you in this moment and still conflicted over the whole situation and what happened. You know, if we can we go back to for a minute why uh, American Idol has sort of waned in popularity and some of these other shows, I think, have waned as well. I wonder if it has to do with uh, a generational thing where younger gener- younger people now who have cell phones really don't follow those kind of programs. They're on YouTube following the people there that are doing their own little show um, and so that there's not so that that's the talent or the talent search pool or uh, search engine or search show uh, in a in a unorganized way that's captivating that audience rather than this organized kind of thing that's that's sort of was run into the ground because it's just over and over exactly the same thing time and time and time again well and the youtube thing has become buffet tv right so if you don't want to watch all of dancing with the stars i know i can go check the next day and just see you know nancy or see uh, tanya harding's dance i don't have to watch the entire show to catch that bit right and that's what a lot of people do with dancing with the stars because one video becomes viral and you just watch that one dance that week yeah Exactly. So the, it's viewing has just it's just changed dramatically. And I don't think people, uh, or I'm sorry, network TV, don't, haven't accepted that or haven't figured out, or if they, or will they be able to figure out how to monetize that and how to use that as part of their ratings? And it's because it's just, it, 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 I don't, I just talk, in fact, I talked to somebody that uh, shocked me. He was, oh, I would say mid 40s. He said, yeah, I only watch YouTube. I don't watch. I don't watch regular TV. I've cut the cable. I don't. Buy, I'm nothing else. I just watch YouTube. I watch educational things on YouTube, entertainment on YouTube. I just watch that. And it was just. It was a, a person that I did not expect to hear that from. I would expect to hear that from uh, someone who's 25, but not someone in mid 40s, mid late 40s. And I just fascinating. So I think things are really changing in a dramatic way that you know we're they're just not accepting. And you know, also I think you look at the voice. That is killing it. It's not making stars out of the contestants, but we show up to see the judges. We show up to see who's new, and you see them all fighting and things like that, and that's fun. But it's kind of interesting that that's why people show up on Dancing with the Stars even, like, oh, I just need to see that one person dance because I don't think they can dance. But other than that, you know, you know, waiting week to week, I'm even kind of annoyed. Like, on Hulu, Handmaid's Tale is... You know, they're dropping one episode a week. I'm like, I just want to binge it, honestly. I want to spend a Friday night and just watch, stay up all night and watch every episode. <laughs> all night? That's yep, lot, all night. That's a lot of I popcorn. I watch the whole thing. A lot of popcorn. I do that with Stranger Things, too. That's, you know, the, here's, the, here's the weirdest trend in watching right now that's going on, Ralph. Um, I've got little kids, right? Uh, mm-hmm. They like to go on YouTube, kids' YouTube, and watch other kids play with toys. Yep, toy channels are so huge. So they don't want to play with toys. I can't get them to focus on, hey, look, Dad got your Godzilla toys. Oh, yeah, hey, Dad, look at this. And then they pull up a video of a kid playing with a Godzilla toy, taking it out of the package, talking about the toy, playing with it, and they will be transfixed for 20 minutes watching somebody else play with a toy. I, I don't know what's going on in the world with entertainment. What's going on in the world with entertainment is that people find that relaxing. Yeah. And that's exactly what I've seen on the cooking channel, and on the Food Network, if you look at those television shows, they are nothing about cooking, nothing about technique, nothing about cooking at all. All they are is someone, a talking head, that and some some with bigger heads than others, um, <laughs> that are there. And, and what and the key shot 
that sort of the money shot of Food Network is cutting up an onion. Every episode has, oh, let me show you how to cut up an onion. And, it, and it's this relaxing kind of mindless TV that people enjoy. Not unlike, but not unlike professional sports to a certain extent. Not unlike reading a crappy novel. Not unlike soap operas. But it's just see, mindless TV. A chef. I mean, they've gone to school, they're a chef. Whereas YouTube gives somebody a platform to shove a condom up their nose or eat yeah. a Tide Pod. I mean, yeah. just some random person. Yeah. And, you know. It is kind of obnoxious how someone can make $10,000 for doing something everyone else does except they're the lucky one who happened to get, you know. Well, there see some of the channels I get. Some of the people are extremely entertaining. They're good at what they do. They're funny. They're they're charming characters that you can watch on YouTube and they do these 10 little, you know, 10-minute vignettes. I dig that. That's funny. Yeah. But it's the watching <laughs> watching kids color or watching kids play with toys and and sometimes ralph it's not even kids it's my one son is addicted to this guy they never show the guy but he talks like this and oh today i got the 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 new um transformer toys and we'll see what these ones do and he's opening up the packages and, and folding them out and and uh, my kids are transfixed. It's yeah. it's insane. Well, well Kristen, do you, do you watch? Do you, what mindless TV do you watch? Or are you always working? Um, if I need to, uh, there are days honestly that I need to come home and like kind of decompress, and yeah. I want to watch something completely mindless. I will turn on Bravo TV and some of those like ridiculous reality shows. I don't even like sit there and yeah. focus in on them. Like I'll move around the house, but I just need something like mindless banter, like a Vanderpump Rules, which is like trash TV, or like southern charm and it makes me laugh because i'm like people are absurd and what are they like selling their souls to but at the same time i'm like i i don't have to listen to heavy politics i don't have to listen to like the latest entertainment news because you know that's my job and i listen to it all day long i am so glad you did not say the kardashians I do not watch the Kardashians. Good, I can't you. handle. I, I can't even handle that as mindless. Honestly. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, really not pleasant. So, so Christian, I, I picture you. You're in your uh, you're in your workout. Uh, not a workout clothes. In uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, sweat, sweats, uh, yeah. you know, sweatshirt, sweatpants. Yoga pants. Yeah, you know, yeah, yoga pants. You got uh, maybe yoga sandals on. Walking around the house, mouth breathing while you're listening to this. <laughs> you got your mouth open. You're doing one thing or another. You're watching. You got your mouth open. You're just sort of okay, your eyes. You know. Then you sit down for a minute. And your eyes glaze over. And you're just thinking of something else. I don't know you're if just, that says something about Kristen or about you, Ralph. <laughs> right? Or my brain cells like one drops out on the couch. And you have to clean them up after. But my husband will walk by and he'll be like, "What are you watching?" And I'll be like, "I don't really know." And he's like, "Well, what's the plot?" I'm like, "I don't know. I haven't really been that focused on it." You yes. know. <laughs> and there's and there's a basic human need for that entertainment. Yeah, truly, and every person has needs that to a certain extent. You know, we've my wife and I watch uh, these YouTube videos about these narrowboats on the canal system, and there's there's one called "Cruising the Cut," and it's very, it's just a fascinating kind of uh, uh, production. Uh, guys, he is a, he's a producer. He used to work uh, for one of the radio stations or TV stations there, and did a he just does a wonderful job of these things. And it's nothing more than him sort of cruising along in the canals. You know, he'll fix an engine. He'll you know, it's just absolutely. It's just like the cooking shows. There's no real you know substantive content in it, but it's a it's a great thing to to, to watch for mindless TV. You know, you sit there eat pizza with your mouth open or popcorn, and you, you, just, you know, and the pieces of popcorn are falling out on your lap because you got your mouth open. And you're See, this sounds this sounds like a, there was a game. Andy, you're a gamer. Do you remember Animal Crossing at all? Yep. See, my kids would play this game, Animal Crossing. 
And I couldn't understand it. To me, it just looked like the stupidest it's thing I've ever very, seen. very, very like... I picked up the, the remote one day to just see what was the allure of this. And really, what you're doing, Ralph, is you're fishing or you're catching butterflies. And then you go into the trade shop and you turn them in for money. And then you can buy things to go back to your little hut and, and dress it up. Yeah, there's no combat. There's nothing there's to no it. There's no real goals except for paying off the loan on your house. Right. And all of a sudden, I'm three hours into this game, and I'm like, what just happened to me? But I would say... I would, I would it was say like a Zen garden. I yeah. would say that video games all are exactly the same that way in that they are mindless entertainment. You're there. Mm-hmm. You're interacting a little bit, but it's not much different. Right, but there's action when you're watching a lot of the games, when you're extreme sports, shooting stuff. I get that. This was literally just an animal fishing and then bringing the fish back to the trade shop for a, a painting <laughs> to hang up in his hut. Yeah, I couldn't crossing. understand it, but my God, I couldn't stop playing the stupid thing. And that was a good distressor, man. I could feel every anxiety I ever had flush out of me playing that dumb game. Yeah, a lot of games <laughs> will test your reflexes right. or your you know critical thinking or this... whatever. Animal Crossing is just 100%... Automatic. Yeah. yeah, it's it's like working in a factory or something. <laughs> it's so you just, bizarre. You have a bunch of simple tasks that you just do over and over, and then you know you watch your money grow. So that's an incentive to you know keep on doing it. Well, Stay on forever. Exactly. Yep. Let's uh, we'll pick it up when we come back. I want to talk about the juggernaut that is the Avengers and mm. uh, what's going on with that. Kristen Burt's with us. We'll be back right here on the Tom Bernard Show. I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. Ask one of our bankers what they love about business banking, and they always say the relationship with a client. Case in point, True North Oral Surgery and Implants is a longtime customer with a growing practice. Their banker, Julie Marshall, knows the ins and outs of what they do. So when they need working capital, an equipment loan, or funds for expansion, they call Julie. Are you looking for a banker you can count on? Give us a call. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Did you know that about 60% of people over the age of 60 are starting to experience cloudy, blurry, or dim vision due to cataracts? Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. Whiting Clinic is best known for their fabulous LASIK results. You've heard me rave about them for years, but did you know they're also experts in cataract surgery? Yes, indeed, and I'm here to tell you about my wonderful experience having cataract surgery at Whiting Clinic. I'm at that age when my vision started to fade, so I called up the folks at Whiting Clinic. They helped me out right away. My cataract surgery was super easy, and thanks to the Whiting Clinic, my vision is top-notch once again. Whiting Clinic has the most advanced lens technology options, so I can see far away and up close without wearing any glasses. If you want to learn more about your options for cataract surgery or clearer vision, attend one of Whiting Clinic's cataract seminars. Call Whiting Clinic at 855-554-2020. To RSVP today. That's 855-554-2020 to learn more about your cataract surgery options at Whiting Clinic. We're back on the Tom Bernard Show. Kristen Burt calling in from Hollyweird. Kristen, this uh, superhero thing is not going away anytime soon, is it? It, it is not. And, you know, it's amazing to me because I do have superhero fatigue. I'm going to be super honest. Um, and it's one of those things that the general audience, though, will go and see it. And they're totally fine. And they'll go and see the reboots of this once they start. So on some point, they'll start all over again. We all know that. Um, so they know how to make money at the studios. And Marvel is just going to keep cranking out these films. Yes, they are. Well, they're doing remarkable work with it, and I was surprised. We went to the 
media screening for Avengers, um, the mm -hmm. Infinity War. And I was, I mean, it's a, it's a comic book movie. And people were moved around me. Adult men were weeping at, at know, aspects that, of the movie. I can't. What? Right. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not kidding you, Mike. I had to watch guys taking off their glasses and mopping What the their hell eyes. are you crying about? <laughs> I can't abide by that. Well, there, there is some powerful scenes. There's some really great acting in it and, and fun oh. stuff. And I thought they did a great job of juggling all of those characters and three Love Boat storylines at the same time and making it interesting <laughs> to watch. So there's three the th the three love boat storylines. So what are the three uh, love lines in the in this? Well, movie? Well, just the fact like you've got one group is off doing this segment, and I don't want to give any spoilers away. So I'm no, not going to get I into that. I just want to know what are the three love the love interests. There's a, well, you, I don't you mean said love this. interest specifically. I just mean remember on Love Boat they'd always break it up. You'd have oh, six oh, celebrity guest stars, and each one had their own story. And once in a while they'd come together at the at the captain's dining table, and then they'd oh, so, vex off again like Fantasy Island. So Kristen, they've taken it. They've taken a. A page right out of soap operas. The A 100%. plot, the B plot, yeah. A hundred percent. Well, you have to when you when you've got thirty yeah. main player characters, you've That's got to right. break them up. Because yeah. when Ashley did the Young and the Restless, you know, she had her little group that she was with, and then every once in a while she would interact with Eric Braden, or she'd interact with someone else in one of the other storylines. You know, it was a very interesting. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's it's, uh, it's that uh, soap opera. But Marvel's really good at figuring out which characters yeah, to yeah. put together in a scene yeah. that walk away with this. So it's been a lot of fun watching that. And I think what I, my belief, Kristen, and I know other people have, have voiced this, is the fact that this is, you know, this is the decade of the nerd. All of us that grew up in the 70s and 80s loving these comic books and wanting this, technology and movies finally caught up to where they could give us this on the screen so finally we've come to age we're able to see everything we ever wanted to see when we were kids blowing up and we're the ones you know i think that are spending the most money on it is this you know probably 60 to 40 year olds that are out blowing money and then you've got your their kids that are coming into this because you're bringing them along for the ride kristen do, yeah. do you know who are the, who are that who are the heads behind uh the casting and in the production of these of of the marvel uh, universe um, what, what's, how do you pronounce Kevin's last name? Is Kevin Feig or something Fig, like that? Yeah. Feig, Feig, yeah. It was like, it's F-E-I-G. So he's kind of the mastermind behind all of this and really organizing, like, who's going to be what superhero, like, how, like, how big their contract is. Like, there is a very specific Marvel contract, um, and how many movies you're expecting to do and how many offshoots of your particular character. Like, are you going to be in Avengers? Are you going to be, like, crossing over to Captain America and, like, what world you belong to it's so well mapped out it's kind of incredible the way that they've built it yeah and you know other people are trying to do it and we can you know take a look at what's happened over at like fox and trying to do with dc it's kind of a mess warner brothers it's just no one can do it as well i think the anomaly has really just been wonder woman other than that you know trying to do justice league justice league doesn't even compare no. to avengers does does stan lee uh, have any uh, the fact that he organized he created the motives to these characters does, is his is that unifying influence is he involved with that he's not doing great right now no he's he's in a mess right now I mean we're talking there's been a major Hollywood reporter cover about him with elder abuse surrounding himself with horrible people 
his daughter, who's in her 60s, spending all of his money. Yeah. And this all started to fall apart once his wife passed away a few years ago. Was it last year? Yeah, I think it was year. a year ago. Yeah, yeah. And he's 90-some, yeah. but he's... I think he's got some like some sort of dementia and can't take care of himself no, anymore. No, he's not that, but he's still doing Comic-Cons. He's out he there. Is? Yeah, he's still out there meeting and greeting. He happens... And, and I think that's great. As a matter of fact, I think they said he's already filmed uh, cameos for like the next five movies. Jesus. Just so that they can keep him in the loop. But yeah, Ralph, he's kind of the tying factor. I mean, he's the yeah. kind of the grandfather of Marvel Comics and most of these characters. Whether he fully created them, he well, had he, a hand in actually seeing most of these characters come to life. He co-created Spider-Man, the Hulk, Fantastic Four, Daredevil, Black X-Men, Panther, everybody. the X-Men. Yeah. Uh, just yeah. about every major character came off of, of Stan Lee. Mm-hmm. And it's cool that they've you know kept him in this kind of executive producer bit and giving him a chance to make a cameo in every movie and feel like he's he's got a stamp on it so uh I, yeah that that's been fun to watch too but man it just doesn't you, you think something's gonna wane and it doesn't they just keep hitting i think probably the weakest link in the marvel armor right now has been the um dr strange movie Oh, and see, that was one of my favorites. Right, but you, don't, I, you just don't I, hear the hubbub about that that you do about every other movie that's come out. And I would see, for me, I would say Ant-Man was like the weak link. It was, absolutely. Yeah, I, uh, uh, I, ha- I have a little bit of criticism of, the, of uh, Doctor Strange, because when I watched it, I don't like the idea of having the Doctor, who is a jerk and is... Uh, so condescending and that, that that's that, the that, cool new thing though but, that, but, anti- but that's well, the way he was but, to begin with in the but, comic books no, as a physician right. I, as a physician I, I'm, I'm like oh man don't, you know that's like the worst part of uh, physicians but is he actually a doctor yeah he was a like a neurosurgeon or something like that and then he he mm. had an accident or something that happened and it crippled his hands that's why he became yeah. the well he got the ring right from the oh yeah he like had to go over to like India or whatever, and <laughs> right. learned all these deals. But that that movie was interesting, but it didn't have the same charm. See, I loved Ant Man. I love the way that they make each one of these little characters kind of their own pocket universe, mm. in the sense that they're all you part know, of the, the Marvel Ant- Cinematic Universe. Right, but but, but Ant Man to own. me was a, a caper moving movie. It was like Ocean's Eleven. And then you've got the war movie with Captain America. Yeah. Then you've kind of got the spy thriller with Captain America, the Winter Soldier. And then you've got the fun, upbeat, you know, Spider-Man homecoming. And it's just like, I think it's really neat that they give them their own little world and then they're able to tie them in together where they actually make, seem to make sense in this bizarre tapestry. Christian, I hear you rummaging around. Are, are, you, are you looking for your pocket protector and, your, uh, and the tape to put on your glasses? Is it your no, name? I'm not. I'm <laughs> sitting... That's so weird. I'm sitting right here on the couch. I'm not doing anything. I know you're weird. No, no, I'm teasing you. I'm saying we're... Because we're in the middle of a boy nerd-out session. We're nerding out. I was like, oh, it's a joke. I'm like, what? Um, Yeah, no, I was like, yeah, I'm sitting here, like, filing my nails. (laughs) But it's big in the entertainment world. Well, um, I found some stats. Well, you know what? This is actually a good little... good little transition um just because we're talking dr strange benedict cumberbatch has a great new series it's a limited series on showtime called um patrick melrose and it is so darn good um have, did you guys ever read the book no it's okay, so it's a series of five books actually by uh edward state Aubin, and it's essentially it is his life but you know he creates another character for it but it's about a guy who had a very abusive childhood, then you know moved to New York for a bit, and went through a horrific heroin addiction. Um, 
and it follows like his whole thing into getting sober and everything else. It's over five books, so they're, each episode represents a book. Um, but I'm going to tell you this, and it's, you're going to be like, what? It's a black comedy. So you have these horrific things that happen, um, but there's a lot of comedy. There's a lot of physical comedy, too, that make you laugh out loud in the most uncomfortable situations. And the perfect person to play that is Benedict Cumberbatch, because he knows how to play that like odd cerebral kind of weird guy and it's i saw it the other day it's amazing and what's it called it, uh it's called patrick melrose it'll be on showtime it premieres may 12th all right i'll have to check that out yeah he's a pretty remarkable actor his role as sherlock was amazing did you ever take advantage of watching that when it was available yeah he's unbelievable yeah. and that was that was a great you know series as well and i think you know here's the thing they're they're pushing him big time for emmys because i saw it at a primetime emmys um for your consideration event and i think that this is going to be like one of those like handmaid's tale or like big little lies that kind of sweeps in you know comes in on that limited series category and, and nails it hmm. yeah i'll have to check that one out yeah, he's, he's been pretty uh, pretty remarkable what else is going on in the world of entertainment news Kristen? Oh my gosh! I, you know, I think the the Cosby thing last week was probably one of the biggest things to just sort of wrap up. I mean, how many years did we start on that? Like three years ago, honestly. Um, and I think that that's something that Hollywood's still trying to wrap its brain around of, of exactly like what happened because so many people were like, "I don't believe these women." There were over fifty women, and obviously, it's a conviction with one single person. Um, but they did allow a lot of the testimony for other women who had been victimized by him. And it was interesting to hear the jurors say it was the quaaludes that really gave him the conviction because he joked about it on his comedy albums. He joked about it in his stand-up comedy act, and he admitted to it in a deposition. And they were like, that was the tipping point for them. Yeah. He drug the women to have sex with them. And now you've got, uh, what, do you, what do you make of this? Seth Rogen has come out in an interview and said that he'd be happy to do more movies with James Franco, even with all the controversy that's going on in Franco's life. Uh, yeah, you know, it, we're this is this weird like time where you're like, are, how are we supporting the Me Too movement if you're totally fine with working with James Franco? James has really been in hiding pretty much since then. Uh, we haven't seen that much of him. And he was doing, he's, he's always been weird. We've talked about it on the show, and I was telling um I was like, go back to 2000, I want to say 13, I think it was 13, I had had an interview with him and he stared at my boobs the whole time. Like, he's always completely inappropriate. Um, I wonder if he's learned his lesson. We haven't seen anything from him. He hasn't really come out with an interview to say, like, I did these things or anything else. So, um, you know, using an acting school as sort of your dating pool and also abusing some of your students. Not that cool. So is that an elementary school or junior high or high school? You know? Right. I, I agree on that. But, again, I think media is kind of putting Seth Rogen in the crosshairs of an uncomfortable situation. Do you tell, you know, do you, do you kind of go against one of your oldest and best friends and say, no, I'd never work with him again? You know, you That's want the it. redemptive clause. You want to make him feel like he's got a chance if he makes this thing right to come back. I, you know what I think the best thing is? And it's. Matt Damon learned this lesson. Don't comment on it. Like, I just feel like I don't feel comfortable right now at this moment talking about it. And just let it go. Because Matt Damon started getting himself into more and more hot water talking about the Me Too movement and Harvey Weinstein, and you're like, you're missing the point. And it's probably the same thing with Seth. Just don't comment on it. You know, there's a, there's a point where it, it, they, can't, they can't come back from that and do what they did before. 
Right. And so, you know, Harvey Weinstein can go and he can go and he could go be an accountant. He could go and he could be, he could do something else. But to come back in the same industry, I think that, you know, you've burnt that bridge. You know, and there's a certain, you know, if you, you make one mistake and you say, you know, you, you come on to one woman, that's one thing. But we have this chronicity of behavior and abuse and power, you know, pushing and, and that sort of stuff. When you have that, you know, you've, you know, you can't be in that industry anymore. You can't do that anymore. Go drive a garbage truck. Go to make cabinets. Go be a count. Do something. You have to do something else. And I don't think you can be redeemed, but you can't do that same thing. There are consequences for that. And people can forgive Ask you. Tanya Harding. Tanya Harding can't do figure skating anymore. Yeah, there she, you go. She's, That's she, exactly it. She, like, builds decks or something now. We're is she all, a carpenter? Yeah, <laughs> she is. She's like, she's, like, some sort of carpenter or something. All work is honorable. So, and it's okay. you, you can't in 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 this in the Me Too movement is, is so important. Um, yet there's you know so many people are you know have been ostracized and have been convicted without a trial. You know, fortunately, um, uh, Bill Cosby had a trial. You know, but so many other people have been thrown out. They're just thrown out. You know, I mean, and rightly so. But you know, it's, it's it's not. There's no due process, which is 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 a scary thing in America. But we can't. Yeah. But, but, but I do agree on that. But, and I also think that, you know, I, I hope that women um, moving forward, if you if you have been a victim of something, let's start going. Like, let's take those steps of like telling authorities and seeing what you can do and take those steps um, instead of just blasting it on Twitter. I mean, and I think I've said this before in terms of like, if nobody's listening to you, the cops don't listen to you, lawyers don't listen to you, nobody will listen to you. Okay, maybe then you turn to social media, but I think that even to make your case look as strong as possible in this era, try to go to the authorities or someone of authority that can help you out. See, and I I follow what you're saying, but and we're up against a break. I'll we'll talk about when we come back the idea that if you've gone to authorities, you've gone to the law, you've gone to your your uh, prosecutors and nobody wants to step up then maybe you take it to social media to me that becomes even more dangerous because at what point if everybody else that is in the know of the law has said there's nothing here does it still allow you to go out and besmirch somebody in the you know uh, kangaroo court of public opinion by telling people this happened even though there's not enough proof that anybody in the legal system will help we'll talk about that when we return on the tom bernard show Just like all of you, I had been hearing about MyPillow and was skeptical that it was as great as everyone says. Well, I received my first MyPillow, and I love it. It's very comfortable, stays in that same exact position all night. Fantastic. Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has a very special offer for Tom Bernard Show listeners. MyPillow is offering more than 50% off his four-pack special, which includes two premium MyPillows and two go-anywhere pillows. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first MyPillow. If you already know how great the MyPillow is... Why not give them to everyone you know? Call 800-516-5146, use promo code TOM, or go to MyPillow.com. But make sure you use promo code TOM. Call 800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. That's 800-516-5146, promo code TOM. This is Tom, and I want to tell you a story about camping. A guy named Tim, his back pain, and his angry wife. You see, Tim went camping with his family, but he aggravated his recurring back problem a couple of days before when he was golfing with his buddies. His wife had to set up the campsite and do all the heavy lifting, and Tim couldn't do a whole lot with the two kids. Tim was not a happy camper. 
and neither was his wife. The following Monday, Tim's wife got him an appointment at Hopkins Health and Wellness Center, a DMR method clinic. Their team of physical therapists and chiropractors figured out what was really wrong with his back, quickly got him out of pain, and taught him how to keep it from coming back. And what did Tim say was the biggest benefit of finally handling his back problem? Happy wife, happy life. DMR clinics are a group of physical therapists, chiropractors, and allied medical spine specialists that can help you feel better fast. They have a 96% success rate. It's covered by insurance, and you don't need a referral. They have convenient locations in Hopkins, Woodbury, Rogers, and Blaine. For a free consultation, go to dmrmethod.com. That's dmrmethod.com. If I were a carpenter... You are a lady, would you marry me anyway? This is the Tom Bernard Show. Tom will be back with you tomorrow. Filling in, I'm Dave Schrader. We were talking about the kangaroo court. Mike, you were saying something during the break. We were talking about how people are quick to judge by nothing more than social media blasts. Uh, what were you? What was the story you were referring to? No, there's a local place over on West 7th, right by the X. Tom Reed's, it's a good hockey place. Uh, people go there before the wild games, and, you know, they had the one... Wild or two wild games, uh, the playoff games recently, and there was a guy in there who was accused on Facebook of stealing memorabilia. Because uh, when you go in there, they just have wall to wall, you know, hockey stuff. And the guy was accused, and they went on Facebook and named him and contacted his boss and, like, you know, just named him publicly, even though he's a private citizen. And it turns out the guy had been in the restaurant a year before. He wasn't even there on the night in question, and they just blasted him. Yeah, that's a class action lawsuit. Well, not like a reverse class action lawsuit. Basically, anyone who tweeted that should be should have to like pay up. I think named in that suit. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So it's so it's social media mob mentality or social media justice. Social media, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't. I hate the word lynching or or hanging or if if you if you're in some countries stoning. Mm. Well, I like yeah. how people are always so like, oh, I can't believe how barbaric we used to be. We used to, you know, lynch people without any proof or any trial. And then they go on social media and do basically the exact same thing, except it's just instead of uh, lynching, it's trying as hard as they can to ruin someone's life just based on hearsay. It's yep. like you're not any better than people used to be. Well, this is in with the celebrities. Kristen, do you think any of the celebrities that have been publicly named and shamed at this point might be taking uh, a beating over nothing? I mean, is there, has there been any of the cases that seem to not hold water? But the, the one that's really interesting to me, and I don't know enough about it, but we do know that NBC News has had a tremendous amount of scrutiny over their department and their HR department and how they've handled sexual harassment in the past. The recent news of Tom Brokaw, um, you know, the woman came out and she was like, I don't want anything out of this. You know, I don't want money. I don't want a settlement or anything else. I just want other people to know. You know, she told her story to Variety. Washington Post covered it as well. But then, I mean, you have at last count, I think I saw like 65 NBC News employees, including, you know, people like Rachel Maddow, like a lot of people that are high level ranking news names that you would know. We're all backing Tom Brokaw, saying that they did not have that experience. And I just worry sometimes, like, are you sitting there saying that this woman didn't experience this? Are you saying that she's lying? Then, you know what I mean? But obviously, you have had great experiences with Tom Brokaw, and you want to support him. 
So it's a, it's a fine line that we're all walking on both sides of it. I have no idea if Tom Brokaw did it, you know, but I have to say, I don't know why this woman would tell the story otherwise. That seems kind of weird uh, to come out of the blue and just be like, by the way, like he tried to, you know, he invited himself to my apartment and my hotel room and I kept saying no and it was uncomfortable. Also, this is how a lot of newsrooms were run for a really long time and no one called it sexual harassment. It was just men sort of getting what they wanted. And that is a common thing and it's a common theme. And I, I, I'm going to bet that the 2018 Tom Brokaw certainly doesn't operate the way the 1972 Tom Brokaw operated. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot to that. But you, you were saying you don't know why somebody would say that. I'll tell you, having had a chance to hang out with some people that have been on television, uh, one of my friends, I, I've watched him, a very nice guy, very sensitive kind of uh, guy, and he'll, he, he's polite to everyone to a fault. And then I've watched women explode in public places because he's talking to another woman and they're like, you talked to me for an hour. I thought you were interested in me. You're just a womanizer. And, I did it. and, and I've watched this unfold repeatedly. It's sometimes how people perceive what they think is going on as opposed to the reality of it. And in Tom Brokaw's case, it's only one case. Yeah. And not to mention there's always mental illness. There's people on YouTube well, who claim that the FBI kidnapped and castrated them. It's like... Why are they saying that? Because they're crazy, that's why. Well, and the other thing I want to say is that um, when it comes to men and women dating, there needs to be way more communication because men think that, and, and this is, it goes back to like the Aziz Ansari case, like men think that women are totally into it if they are engaging in some sort of sexual activity or, you know, kissing or anything else like that, when sometimes women are just, uh, they think that if they just do one thing, like whether it's kiss him or go further, that they can just get out of the situation and go home because it'll be over. Um, so there is clearly a lack of verbal communication. There's a lack of reading physical body signs and physical body language um, that is happening with men and women dating. And that's what I really think happened with the I'm sorry. The girl felt really um, unable to really communicate that she was very uncomfortable with what was happening and she was just doing things to then sort of let the evening end so she could go home. And he's thinking, great, you know, here she is. Like, we're making out. The date's going a little bit further. This is awesome. Let's see if we can move this a little bit further along to maybe, I can, you know, get her into bed. I don't know. And so there is a lot of communication that I think needs to happen. And that can also happen in a dating situation or in a work situation where someone might be a li- pushing themselves a little bit too much where you have to be like, I have to put the boundary up. And, like, literally, if you have to say that, say it. Um, like you know, it's, it's funny, though. People, people are so sometimes so clueless, so lack of common sense. It, it reminds me, as you're talking about that, one of the most bizarre dates I ever had. I was set up on a blind date. My friend had said, oh, you should meet this gal. And I met her at a restaurant here in Minneapolis uh, called The Good Earth. And I show up to this restaurant, and she walks walks up to me, and she goes, Dave? And she's got this quizzical look. I go, yeah. And the first thing out of her mouth is, God, you're a lot more bald than I thought you'd be. Oh. And I thought, okay. How bald? Uh, right. I mean, is it like a scale from uh, one I to ten? I don't know. Yeah, like, I didn't know there was a scale on bald. <laughs> and if you hit, like, I don't know, if I'm at bald level eight, that's not dateable. Seven and a half is still good. I wasn't sure. So we, we go in, and that first, I, but I was like, okay, people say dumb things, and they're, maybe they're trying to be uh, witty or whatever. We sit down. And we're eating, and this is a very progressive, you know, hippy dippy kind of restaurant, and and everything. And this um, couple walks in, an interracial couple, 
and they're sitting down and they're talking and holding hands and we're having a, an awkward okay first date kind of conversation when suddenly she turns and in a normal conversational tone goes oh my god i'm gonna puke if that n-word kisses her oh my god and and like oh my god. it was like one of those surreal well, larry david oh. kind of moments where i just looked around i'm like did this just happen and i go what and and then again in same conversational tone like we're having right now not like a Oh, I can't believe this is going on. She goes, it's like those homos over there. I can oh, barely no. eat. I'm so sick by oh, this. I and feel I, like she was like trying to get you out of there. Right. And that was my thought. Is, yeah. Okay, this has got to be. So I politely finish my meal and I go, all right, take care. Have a good night. And she's like, well, what do you mean? I thought we were going to a movie. And I said, mm. well, you've kind of. You know, throughout the meal, you've you've put me down. You've been obnoxious and rude to the people in the booths around us. And she and her whole concept was, well, I thought we were getting along. And I and I was like, uh, hmm. well, no. You know, I just was trying to be polite and get through this meal so I could go home. And and then she's like, well, I was really looking forward to getting out tonight. And I've got a babysitter, and I you know I don't usually get out. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I feel my guilt strings being plucked. And I'm like, uh, all right. Okay, I, well, I want to see the movie anyway. Let's go to the movie. To which then she turns to me and goes, well, since you're giving in on that, maybe you'll get lucky tonight. And then I got oh, in my car. Hell. I said, I'll meet you over there. We got in our cars. She went over, and I drove home. And I was I like, that's the perception of, see, sometimes you think, like Andy, oh, she's obviously wanting out yeah. of this date. No, she was just mental. Yeah, clearly she was. And there was yeah. no boundaries in what she, she, whatever she wanted to say, was the important thing of the night. That's, so and so, and I think that maybe, and it's it's these these words are sticking in my throat, Kristen. They're sticking in my throat. I think that you men uh, will do that more frequently than women, right? And that men uh, get into their you know, testosterone storm or whatever, and you know whatever a woman does or doesn't do, that's yes. And and it's and I th- I think you know maybe it's difficult for women to be forceful and say you know just just say I'm out of here now <laughs> you know I you know and that may be part of that that whole situation is it's just a different communication style and no one wants to be confrontational or or no one wants to have an acrimonious uh, ending to an evening because that's uncomfortable and it's stressful for someone you get over yeah. it but it's 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 difficult and and <laughs> like the comedian gary shandling he goes i'm just not good at picking up signals i need a woman out there with like those cones <laughs> waving in an airplane letting me know it's time to land <laughs> and uh but that's the exact kind of thing that's going on people just you're right ralph they don't want confrontation they figure and you brought it up earlier Kristen, with the idea of well you know if i kiss him and you know make out maybe we can just end the night and that'll be where it goes but to, to the guy that was like, oh, this is going well. well she obviously mention, wants me here. There may be a little too much alcohol involved. What? Because, you know, yeah, really. Like, on a first date, I've had plenty of first dates, but I will not drink on the first date. I mean, if she wants to, that's fine. I get it. But uh, I've been called out for not drinking on a date. And I'd be like, well, it's the first date, and I want to get to know you, and I want to be sober. Because I've seen it go the other way, where, like, a date wow. will be tipping them back, and I'm like, uh-oh. I got to get out of here. I worked at a college uh, bar in Winona, Max's, and I was the bouncer. And the, the owners took me aside and they go, listen, you're going to have a lot of beautiful women throw themselves at you at the end of the night. Do not do yeah. it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm 20 years, 21 years old. I, I, why wouldn't I? And they're like, no, 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 no. This is the answer you give them. And it was a stock answer. And and it worked. But it was it was so funny. I'm I'd always gay. tell them. No. I tell them, hey, you know what? 
I'm really flattered that you feel this way. And, uh, you know, I got to go home after work tonight. But if you feel this way when you're sober tomorrow, feel yeah. free to stop by and I'll buy you a drink. And, you know, I think I had three out of 500 that, that hit on me at the bar at closing time come back. So it was, you know. Well, that was the thing in Alcohol college, Alcohol does make that, that I like, bad decision. I was the bouncer at the fraternity, and I was the social director. Right? So I had to plan all the parties. And it was the same way. And I was like, oh, I got to be sober. So right. I have to drive girls home. And, yeah, mm. just. Mm. Oh, and then you're the caring guy who's taking yeah. them home, Mike. You're so sweet oh, and cute yeah, and yeah. funny. Yeah, with that, that. Yeah. And, and Kristen sees right through that. She's, she said, <laughs> what a slippery I'm come like, on. Yeah, to, you, 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 would, you would see right through that. You know, oh, I can see this. Give me, you know, I'll get an Uber. I don't want any parts of your yeah. ride home. But you, you have to be careful of your Uber driver. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. There are so many dangers. Did you see the article that was out? And I think it was Molly Ringwald that wrote it. And she's kind of revisiting all of the John Hughes movies. And then now yes. kind of looking at them through the hashtag Me Too and going, yeah, some of these were just not a good idea. Isn't that interesting? I mean, you can go through 16 Candles and then right. you start thinking about that. And you're like, oh. Right. The, the Jake... <laughs> hands off his hot, sexy, overly drunk girlfriend, Anthony Michael Hall, who ends up having sex with her when she didn't even know it because she was so drunk. And, you know, in the movie it was funny and charming, and now when you sit back, you're like, oh, my God, that's date rape. Yeah. You're like, that's completely creepy and awful and horrific. Yeah, it's so... And the actress, like, she went out with the actress that played that hot, sexy girlfriend, and she was like, oh, I never felt that way about it. Like, I feel, oh, I'm okay. And then after they had lunch together and she had some time to sit and think about it, she goes, oh, my God, you're right. You know what I mean? It's like sometimes someone needs to hit you over the head with it, and then you need to let that, like, injury sink in, and you're like, wow. Because it was just a different time, and we portrayed things differently in in film, and, you know, you tell those stories, and now you're like, wow, that was really awful. There was a a great scene. I don't know if you ever watched the Goldbergs, which to me is like my version of uh, the Wonder Years, watching the 80s, this kid grow up. He and his buddy go to his sister's college and they decide they're going to pull a Revenge of the Nerds and do the panty raid. And halfway through it, they're like, God, I just feel icky. This is weird. Why is this so funny in the movies and so disturbing in person? And uh, you, you do. You get that different perspective as you get older, looking back at what was really funny and entertaining. And now you're just like, oh, my God, that's really awkward and uncomfortable. Why was that so funny in 1983? And well, now it's not. It's, it's interesting how people are like, they look back on that kind of thing and they're like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. I can't believe you know we used to watch that. And then they'll watch a movie where someone, you know, gets their head ripped in half by a zombie and they're like, ha, 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 funny. It's like, why is that not disturbing, but the other thing is disturbing? It just doesn't make any sense. Watching Mickey Rooney play a Japanese landlord in Breakfast at Tiffany's. <laughs> yeah. Is, I mean, I yep. love that movie. And you just you sit there and you go, I can't even watch it. It ruins the rest of the movie. Yeah, it's cringeworthy. And that's, you know, they, they took some heat with the, the Simpsons talking about Apu and the fact that uh, mm-hmm. uh, Hank Azaria has done the voice for so long. And then they did that kind of a side where she's like, you know, what do you do when it's something that was funny and topical 25 years ago is now considered offensive? And, you know, it's already part of that culture and part of that show that's got such a deeply embedded root system. And, and to Hank Azaria's um, credit and defense, he stepped up and said, you know what, I'm okay to be replaced. And I, I get that now. And I follow it. And, I, you know, my intention was never to hurt. My intention was always to be a positive influence. So I guess there are some celebrities that are seeing the way. Thank you, Kristen. I know the hour went by quick. We appreciate you. We'll uh, talk to you again next week. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. We'll be back with possibly the worst way to die next on the Tom Bernard Show.